This is the Bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Bullpen. He's Brandon Elkins and I'm Patrick Osborne. And once again, you got us for the next hour. And it is our pleasure to be here every single day with you Monday through Friday. Yes, it is. How you doing, Brandon? You doing okay? I'm doing okay. It is Wednesday. How do you look at Wednesday? Do you look at it like it's Monday Part it's, Three? Have we gone through this do, already? Yeah, I don't know. I just keep, you know, some people really don't like Wednesdays at all, and I'm not I a big actually, fan of them. I like Wednesday because it's already Wednesday. That's how true. I look at it. It's true. We're two more days away from the weekend. I think man. that's like, my problem with Wednesday is that we're still two days away from the weekend. But we're more than four, or we're less than four days. Yeah, I so take, you got to look at it with the glass half. I, I take Half the empty? I, I, well, I take the Artie Lang approach to the glass, in that I look at it as half full. It's just what in it, what's in it will kill you, and <laughs> it tastes like crap. Water won't kill you. Oh, Water won't kill you. Maybe you're not. Maybe if you're in Flint, Michigan, it might. Not. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Or uh, <laughs> what is it? Jackson, Mississippi, right now. Yeah, they're having a rough oh, time man. there right now. In fact, uh, Deion Sanders was talking about how uh, his team having a real rough go at it right oh, now I'm because sure. it's still hot. And they're needing their water, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of it around that's clean to drink None, right now. Right? Yeah. None of it. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So here's hoping that uh, they and, get they get things up there. And we complain it. about one little issue that we have every year, which actually does suck. But every time we have to do the boil water notice, true. I hate that. Although we could also complain about the lightning strike, which still has <laughs> is a problem for us. Did I mean, that happen? That, that happened. That, happened. that, that happened, happened a week ago. Week and a half. A week and a half ago. Now, yeah. Listen, I said yesterday yeah. I'm going to bring that up every single day you done, until you, it's fixed. You done good so job far. So good. Done, yes. Job done. Job done. Got a lot right to next, get. We're right next to the satellite that that also almost got hit. So, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Things got fried pretty nasty yeah. around here. Yep. The clock in there in the uh, in the on air studio it just the, says A. It's, it's like a curse of A. No, it's just it's a whole. It's all backward sixes. <laughs> Which kind of an omen uh, in yeah, and of itself. Yikes! Wait a minute. Yeah, is that is that better that it's a backwards six? I mean, it's more than sixes? it's more than three sixes, so it could be <laughs> worse, I guess. Right? And they're backwards. Could I don't know if that makes it worse. I don't. know. I should know these things. I'm the paranormal freak of this place. We but. have a, a, a dyslexic satanic clock in there. That's the problem. <laughs> that would be the lightning trying to tell us something, right? <laughs> Lot to get to today. Sports uh, time. Sports time, indeed. Uh, plenty of baseball, football. Everything else coming your way. Wanted to kick things off a little differently, though, today. Uh, big news. Again? That's two days in a row. I know. We did live it. yesterday, yes. and now today. Dare to be different. A uh, possible TV deal in the works. Fox, ESPN, and your Big 12 conference. Oh. Uh, big 12 planning to engage in discussions with Fox and ESPN about the league's next big TV contract that was should announced we, today. Should we care about this? Uh, why? Since, because the Longhorns are leaving the Big 12? Well, I, mean, I know they're still in it. It plays so, yeah, into we do it, though. Care about it. That okay. does play into okay. it. Okay. I mean, because I mean, with I, them being gone, they have to create a new deal. Right. Last summer, yeah. Texas, Oklahoma, all, you know, they're going to SEC. I'm just saying, leave Big Twelve on the desk, bro. And that's a move scheduled. That's going to happen in 2025. They're going to have to make a big deal. Yes. Also, this summer, the Pac-12 lost USC, UCLA to the Big Ten. That's, uh, that's scheduled for 2024. Losses like this, though, have left the leagues really attempting to cast new identities. Uh, with the Big Twelve, of course, adding UCF, BYU, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, but. This is this is a big deal. Lots of money, I think, are in. Uh, 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 lots of money is at stake here. When you're talking ESPN and Fox, amen. Uh, the Big Twelve Conference says that it's going to be entering into discussions with its multimedia partners, exploring an accelerated extension of its current agreements. Uh, the imminent opening of these conversations pretty significant. They're coming more than a year and a half uh, before the league's televised contract calls for a formal, exclusive negotiating window with both current partners. Mm. 
Uh, this development, though, allows the Big 12, which has a contract through 2024's football season, to potentially get tangible future revenue numbers for both its member schools and potential additions. No formal window, though, for these conversations uh, between the Big 12, ESPN, and Fox, uh, but they are expected to begin soon. Uh, and if no deal is reached, the conference can still secure a deal through a more traditional timeline. All right. But uh, good luck look, to the Big 12. Looking good for the Big 12. Like uh, they may, may be making some big money, although, like you so aptly mentioned, <laughs> it may not matter to Longhorn yeah. Nation here in the next I, couple of years. A couple of years, it may be. This may be their, this potentially could be their last year in yeah. the Big 12. I really believe, if not this year, it's next year. Wait, you think. Texas, Texas and Oklahoma, yeah. Well, I think they're supposed to start playing in the SEC in twenty five. I think right. That's that's what they say. Oh, you think it's going to happen before that? There's plenty of speculation. It's going to happen much sooner than that, like well, potentially next season or the season after that, in oh, two man. seasons from now. Much to the chagrin of the Texas A and M Aggies, who I think have enjoyed their time <laughs> over matter. there without UT. They're only one vote. All right, and I know they d- they tried to deny the vote, but. Yeah, I happen. was talking it's to happening. talking to an Aggie friend of mine yesterday about this. Cooley? And I no, no, uh, actually he's my my bagpipe instructor. Okay. I'm okay. a piper. I'm glad you're still doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, you yeah. said you were thinking about stopping. I'm glad you're still doing well, that. Well, I I no. I'm, I I can't do that. <laughs> I've invested too much time into That's those fair. bag and money into those bagpipes, I'm sure. But I was talking to him yesterday about this and the potential of of UT going over there to the SEC with his Aggies. And I'm talking about it from the perspective like for I, uh, dripping with nostalgia, I'm just like, oh man, I I miss the old days. When, I get it when UT and A and M would meet all the time. I I never was a big Aggie fan, but I always had this respect for A and M, and so I'm really looking forward to UT and A and M meeting again when they finally. And he's like, no, nah, we don't want the horns over there. And I'm like, Whatever. why? Are you afraid? No, it has nothing to do with that. Apparently, Aggie Nation has a significant bone to pick with with UT that I think a lot of them are just never going to get over, uh, and. and I, I, just, I just, I don't know. Um, did, did they, is there anything specific that, yeah, he's, that he, he mentioned? He was he was mentioning things uh, about, you know, trying to force UT, you know, going behind uh, A&M's back and trying to basically cut deals for a and I, I didn't really understand exactly mm-hmm. where he was going with this. Mm-hmm. But most Longhorns. not tinfoil hat. Well, I don't know. Conspiracy theory. I don't know if I'd go that far. Maybe I just you wasn't, don't want to. You don't want to diss your bagpipe instructor on air. <laughs> maybe I just wasn't listening closely enough. I don't know. I, 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 I don't just keep talking. I don't remember. Talking. But his sentiment is one that I I see a lot with yeah. with Aggie fans. I, I, a lot of Longhorn fans, I think, harbor a lot of respect for A and M and long for those old days. And mm-hmm. a lot of Aggie fans I've talked to don't really seem to feel the same way. Hmm. I think they harbor a lot of Aggies do respect the T sips, so to speak. I don't but, know. It doesn't uh, really sound like it. It sounds like they're really upset and bitter about but, this. But I, 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 quite a few of them. He's he's the latest in a long line of Aggies that that seem to be very bitter still. Even even talking about the the final game between UT and Texas A and M that came down to that field goal, yep. and he's like, yeah, but there was a call that wasn't, yeah, and, and it went UT's way when it shouldn't. And it's like, oh my God, it's man. always something. My God, it's always something. So and look, he may be right as an unbiased, uh, with my unbiased opinion for both. I definitely want to see them get back to the rivalry because I always watched that game when it was on back in the day. Always fun. Uh, and look, there's always going to be non-calls from on either side, win or lose. So you bring them up or not, it's not going to change the outcome of the game. So it is what it is. It is what it is. So I think I think you know that's probably why they're so bitter. They got a bitter taste in their mouth because what's it been eight years? Yeah, it's, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think it has been somewhere along that. I don't know exactly, but yeah, to to go that long without being able to try and you know 
redemption redemption mm-hmm. on that yeah it, yeah i don't blame him for being a little bitter but you should want to play you should want to play against texas it's the ultimate rivalry but i don't think the aggies care about ut anymore they they've they've carved out a niche for themselves over there in the sec they've got brand new stiff competition everywhere they look well and uh I, as far as far as I can tell, the University of Texas is really just an afterthought to Texas A and M at this point. Well, at you know, wait a couple years; they're not going to have say, a choice now. I it I have to is. assume, at least in part, I would have to assume that some of this animosity that's still being harbored by a lot of A and M fans comes from the fact, or or not, maybe not animosity, but a lack of excitement, I should say, about the the horns going over there. I think a lot of that stems from the fact that. Wherever UT goes, it casts a big shadow, mm-hmm. and it's going to cast it all over A&M once again, just like it experienced every single year here in the Big 12 and the Southwest Conference before that. So uh, I think that's got to play a role in some of it. They, they won't be the big school from Texas in yeah. the SEC anymore. UT will. Maybe. They will. We don't know. They will. It depends on it's how the well. Brand. Yeah, but it also depends on how well UT does once they move over to the SEC because if they're going to be – you know they could they could end up looking like an Arkansas team. It's possible they're good every once in a while, but most of the time they're middle middle pack to the bottom. At a certain point, that stigma is going to go away because yeah. you're just going to be synonymous for being mediocre. But Texas A&M is always a eight nine ten win team. Yeah, now. they should still feel like the top dog in the SEC for Texas because they've been in it longer. They've had the they've had the better wins. Right. They've had the bigger games. Right. So. They, they shouldn't look at it right. in the way of being bitter. They should look at it in the way of you're coming to our town now. Bring it. Show us what you got. Absolutely. Right? Couldn't I mean, agree more. Why would you not want that? I don't think A&M has anything to be afraid of. I don't think certainly. so either. Because they're just annoyed that you know Texas is following them. Right. Well, and the competition is, is a hell of a lot tougher But I don't blame Texas for here. wanting to go to the SEC. Nor do I. Especially with the – they play these teams anyway most of the time. So get in the division. Right. I, go – Blow it up, and it'll be great to have the the big three of the, uh, you know the former big three the, yeah. of the Big Twelve back together with A and M and UT and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I, I I've always found that the Longhorns and Aggies typically can find pretty common ground over their hatred of Oklahoma. So yes. there is that. Yes, you know yes. I, I I think Oklahoma likes Oklahoma. That's about it. It's funny. Washington State, Washington have the same thing against Oregon. Hate them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know Oregon fans in Texas know what I'm talking about. Which is weird because y'all are like the same state. No, sorry, I know. No, 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 no. Not quite. I know. Had although go, had to go. There. Although I love the state of Oregon, Oregon's with beautiful. A passion. Oregon's beautiful. Their bridges are my favorite. I almost took a job years ago in Bend. Oh, you should have, man. Well, There's still the blockbuster there. I know the the, the last remaining mm-hmm. blockbuster on Earth. I want to go so bad. Yeah, uh, I I didn't end up going. Things worked out, and I actually came here. Sure. To oh good, Waterloo Media. Instead. Thank goodness. So, you know. We wouldn't be talking right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. If, if you'd job. be in Bend, Oregon, we wouldn't be doing this right but now. But I was really, I was really enticed in large part just by the beauty oh, yeah, of of is. the area. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they have seasons there mm-hmm. that that counts for something well, as well. It does get pretty cold there. Love it because you're right on the ocean. Love it, man. <laughs> Love it. You say that now, I know. But you, I mean, have you gone to Maine in the winter time yet? Uh, not in the winter time, but I, I did go to college in Cheney, Washington. That is true. You and, did, and, and it, it was cold. It was pretty chilly yeah, there. That is a so. cold desert. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So I sorry yeah, about that. I'm, I'm built for that cold. I'm <laughs> That's built. Fair. I'm yeah. built for the cold far more than Look, I am hey, for man, Texas summers. I grew up in Spokane. Enough. I just what 
a half hour east of you. Yeah. So, man, I yeah, get so you it. know what I'm talking about. I do. I the do. scab lands of eastern Washington. Man, when that wind chill hits your face, it's just like a punch in the face. It's kind of cold too, where you where you you go out and everything, and your face just freezes. You your remember nose. when the air gets so cold, but it also wants to try and rain? They don't. We don't get freezing rain like we do here. We get ice crystals that just form in air, and you just have to walk through it. Yeah, you get pelted by. Yeah, them. it's just sitting there. You have no choice. Yeah, I a, don't miss that. Weird weather up there in the <laughs> pack northwest. Yeah, we uh, love it. So uh, uh, more news, though. Uh, possible financial deals coming out of the University, University of Texas. Uh, Lucchese Boots, going to be the official boot sponsor of Texas Athletics. That is not how I thought this was pronounced. <laughs> Luke, what would you think? Uh, Luchese, I don't know. Lucchese? 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 Lucchese. Lucchese okay, Boots. sure, yeah. Uh, and the partnership includes head football coach Steve Sarkeesian, featured in Lucchese's advertising campaign oh. with the Horns. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. Um, they, they say they're real proud to align. Uh, the UT Athletics say they're real pl- proud to align with the bootmaker. Uh, they're, they're appreciative of the commitment. Uh, they're going to be uh, having a, a Presence on game days across the state, participating in co-branded marketing and advertising, um, unique activations on Texas football's Bevo Boulevard and DKR Memorial Club air, uh, Stadium Club areas, and uh, they'll also be outfitting the Texas Palm Squad with Lucchese boots for them to wear on, cool. on game day as well. That's cool. So I got to be honest with you, man. I cannot rock boots. Nor, no, no, I can't either. More power to the people who can. I'll bring up Cooley again. That dude wore Spurs my first day here, and I heard him walking or stomping his way over mm-hmm. to make sure he was the first person to wish me a hello. But and he wore boots every Friday. And he tucked him into his he tucked jeans. Him into his yep. Amen. John Cooley was a big dude. I wish so I could. So you could definitely hear him walking with those yeah. spurs on. Yeah. Yeah. And he made sure you knew he was coming mm-hmm. too. <laughs> one of the one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. We miss him. Hey, so we don't get sick of talking about the Longhorns. But you know who is sick of talking about the Longhorns? Aggies. Casey Thompson. Oh, yep, yep. He's over there in Nebraska now just trying to cut out a, a life for himself there. I don't blame him. And the him. media keeps asking him about the Horns. Yeah, I don't blame him. And so uh, he's he's now asking, requesting, don't ask me any more questions about the Horns, please. But he said it so much nicer than that. He went on a full, like, two-minute two minute to- like you know conversation about it. He did. Uh, he... Uh, Let's see. So the media has continued asking him questions. And last week, somebody asked him uh, to compare Nebraska skill to UT's. Yeah. And he basically said, look, I, I, I appreciate it. UT's got a great program. I play for Nebraska right mm-hmm. now. Can we just focus on what I'm doing? Yeah. And he, he also mentioned B. John Robinson still being one of his best friends. And he still roots for all those all those guys. Yeah. He so. says Robinson's one of the best running bats, yeah. athletes I've ever been around. Xavier Worthy, one of the best route runners. Mm-hmm. He says these guys have everything that's going their way. But Moving forward, I just want to talk about Nebraska football, and yeah, that's fair. And I don't, yeah, that's totally fair. Let you know, there, it's fair for the media to ask those questions, but it's also fair that the media needs to respect his decision that he doesn't want to deal with your questions about it anymore because he's not there. Yeah, he can. T- y'all can talk about it when you play Texas. I don't know if Nebraska and Texas play this year, but yeah, uh, well, he he certainly looked pretty good in there in the week zero loss to Northwestern over the weekend, three hundred and fourteen yards on TV. So not yeah, that. unfortunate uh, comeback, but uh, also a fortunate comeback because I'm a big fan of Ryan Helinski yeah. and uh, the Northwestern guys. So uh, we got more to come. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but your Texas Longhorns are now an even bigger point favorite than they were just the other day. Uh oh, and we'll tell you just how big coming up. He's Brandon Elkins. I'm Patrick Osborne. This is the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN.
And welcome back to the bullpen on this Wednesday afternoon. I'm Patrick Osborne. He's Brandon Elkins. You got us here through 2 o'clock this afternoon. And before we went to break, we had a nice little Longhorn chat. Mm-hmm. Got to love our Longhorns. Now, the other day, you might remember, we mentioned that the Texas Longhorns for Saturday's opener against Louisiana Monroe were a 37.5-point favorite. Yep. They're now a 38.5-point <laughs> favorite. What changed? 38 now. And I'm not sure exactly what why it went up. What changed from yesterday? But, uh, Us thinking that that was too much? I was actually, when I heard 37.5 initially, I thought that was not, not enough. I, I, 40 by, beating your team by 40 points is a lot. Oh, I know. I know. I've, that's how much faith I've got. That's oof. Now, if you ask Man, me Man, you about, got the Boca today. You didn't have that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you ask me about week two, I'm going to say, uh, they're a 40-point underdog. I would but I, we'll get, not, I would bet really, they're going to be like a 10-point underdog. I'm, I think they're going to be nice, especially if they put up 40 points against Louisiana Monroe. I'm thinking my, my my prediction against Alabama would probably be a 17 point underdog. That would probably be that's fair. That's know, pretty yeah. I, okay, there. roughly around but, there. Yeah, yeah. Either way, they're not going to win. We don't know. It could <laughs> be a 30 point. Way. Honestly, yeah, we love Longhorns, but you're not going to win. Yeah. Although you will win Saturday and handily, I imagine. Oh, I hope so. Uh, but uh, Coach Sarkeesian uh, has provided kind of a nice little checklist of things this week uh, to look for when Texas takes the field, and they will be taking the field at seven o'clock. Saturday night. That's awesome. 38 and a half point favorite over the uh, so War Hacks. Excited. War Hacks. War was Hacks. That, was that Freudian? Look, if that they're going to lose by 40, we can call them War Hacks. The War Hacks. The but War the Hawks. War Hawks. The War Hawks. No offense, it. man. Uh, by the uh, Louisiana Monroe War You Hawks. know they're probably in town, so. Right. <laughs> uh, but Sark says he, he feels this version of Longhorns, they're bigger, faster, tougher, closer, badder than they were last year. Ooh. Uh, he feels like his offense, his defense, special teams are all going to be creating explosive plays. And he says uh, defense can play tighter pass coverage and help give Texas something it didn't have last year, which was a pass rush. Yeah, and they really did. They really that. suffered with that last year. Yep. Um, defensive players saying going up against the best running back in the room in practice every day, Bijan Robinson has helped improve their porous run defense from a year ago. I would think so. <laughs> you uh, would think so. It looks like Sark thinks kicking, uh, kicking field goals may still be a, a, an adventure, a challenge here. That's funny because. I heard him uh, bring it up special teams yesterday uh, at his press conference, and he sound he sounded, and that's what made me think, kind of look at this funny, is he sounded very confident in the kicking game, the punting game, and the kicking game uh, when he was asked about it at the press. Con- I don't have the audio, unfortunately, we can't get that, but right, um, it just it it, it kind of weirded me out because be. I don't know, honestly, I feel like college foot in college football special teams is a crapshoot. It can like be the, certainly. You, you get you got a, a handful of kickers that get drafted every year, but the rest are just kind of undrafted because they may have not had a great season. Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest, most of these special teams kids on college in college football aren't very good. Yeah, and that's why they're on the special teams. Yeah, so to make him sound, it, it kind of contradicts what he said yesterday. It's interesting. Although I, I have seen plenty of years in the past where Texas has struggled with a kicking game. Oh, I've so, seen it too. Yeah, I've and, seen games lost by the kicking by not hitting the extra point. Yeah, and in fact, I, I remember the, the opening game of the 2005 season when I was at I was at the game, uh, and it was Louisiana Lafayette, and I don't remember specifically how many extra points were missed by the Longhorns. At least three mm. in that game, and I I don't I just remember thinking, wow, I, I don't think I've ever seen this many missed points in my life. Yeah, uh, obviously they came back. Didn't cause them too many problems because they won the championship mm-hmm. that year. But, yeah, uh, I remind that that reminds me of uh, being at the Seahawks Giants game in 2005, where I don't remember her, uh, Jay Feely missed like four straight extra uh, field goals to win the game. Yeah, and then the Seahawks came back and won that game at the end with 
on a field goal. Go figure. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, I've, loud, loudest, loudest we've ever heard that stadium before, and then it just kind of kicked off that trend. Yeah, you guys set off uh, like earthquake monitors. That was up much there. later. That was that was probably wow. That was probably ten years later. <laughs> but, that, that's but yeah, something to be proud Beast of, Mode, right there. Beast Mode did it twice. Oh, did he? Did it twice. Yep. I love Lynch. You talk about a character. Now he's a partial owner of the team. I love it. Rightfully so. If any, I mean, who better than a guy like him? I know. I mean, seriously, really, just one of the faces I mean, he's, of the franchise. He's not going to have much input, but just to be involved is a cool thing. I'm sure he'll make a couple bucks off of it too. It's funny because uh, Russell Wilson is still a partial owner of the Seattle Sounders, and it's ironic that once he left, they haven't been doing very good. So it, that's very interesting to me. How you see uh, your Supersonics doing up there? Oh, that's right. I forgot. I you. They haven't been around in a while. Just wait. All right. Just wait. We're going to get them back, and we're going to dominate the league. We're going to beat the Spurs. I know you don't care about the Spurs. We're going to beat the Mavericks. I don't, know, I don't, I don't care, about, care the Spurs. about the Mavericks. But I've always liked the Spurs. In fact, tickets are going on sale, I think, tomorrow for their uh, their, their Alamo Dome Oh, yeah, game. we didn't bring that up yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I love the Spurs. I also was a big fan of the Sonics uniforms. Whatever. Well, I always thought it was one of the coolest uniforms in, in basketball. Yeah, anyway. I agree. Anyway. I have a te- I have the jersey. I'll bring it in. I'll wear it. You don't want to see me wear it, but I'm going to wear it now because you said that. You just you know, you just assume I don't want to see it. <laughs> Trust see- me. Rock Trust that me. thing, man. I don't know about that. Rock that vintage gear. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but Coach Stark, he's also uh, he's pretty excited about uh, the, the, the cool, even-keeled nature of uh, QB Quinn Ewers, uh, but he says he's going to have to rely on the body language, the decisiveness of, of throws and his interaction and his teammates. To really figure out is to gauge his confidence for sure makes sense. Now, one of the things that uh, I think they're really going to have to work on is uh, making in-game adjustments, which is something they really struggled with last yeah, year. They did player-to-player adjustments, coach-to-player adjustments, coach-to-coach adjustments, and you know if the game gets out of hand early, fans might not notice, but it's something that's still going to be noticed. Uh, you know, on the sidelines, if they don't notice any in-game adjustments or none are really necessary Saturday, they will be a week from Saturday when they play Alabama. I'm pretty sure that was a massive part of their downfall last mm-hmm. season. Because, Absolutely. Because, and again, we talk about it every time we talk about Sark. It's the culture he brings. It's the it's the guys that he has on that. It's his team. It's his mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. That wasn't his team last year. I know we continue to bring it up. but No, that was Tommy's team. Exactly. And so they're not you know going to follow Sark tooth and nail like, they, like he wants them to because – that's not their coach. They didn't come here to play for this coach. Right. So when you don't make the in-game adjustments, you know you don't do the things you're supposed to do because you don't trust or believe or care about this coach. Yeah. We get a five and seventeen. Right. So. And they they had they uh, they tanked uh, in the in the second half. Yep. A few times last year. I mean, they lost no double-digit third-quarter leads against Oklahoma, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, Baylor spiraled out to that five and seven season. It's crazy because they were in most of those games, and then they just let off, let their foot off, took their foot off the gas. Well, it, it comes. I mean, again, I the, mean, the, make, making the necessary in-game adjustments. They just didn't know how to do it last year. Yeah, and and I you, think they will this year. It's it's almost a wonder if if those guys actually. Did, and I don't know if this is true or not. This is just speculation. I can't I can't speak for the players on that team. Some of those guys are still on that team that were a part of the five and seven team last year that still was not recruited by Coach Sark, but yep. they're still there. So we don't know if that's really what happened. You can assume and speculate that's what happened. But when you're in every game like that, and then you just take your foot off the gas, why? I think after a while, it's, I know it, that's it, not Sark doing that. No. So why are the players doing that? I think I, maybe it's a psychological thing. After a while, you just uh, either you get too comfortable or you start seeing everything just circling the drain, yeah. and you get more and more frustrated. Yeah. You lose get your flustered. focus even more. Sure. 
Uh, it could have been a combination of all that. But either way, I think we're going to see a big difference this year when it comes to making those adjustments. I think, I, and I think you're right. Now, one thing I wish we'd be able to know is the, what the depth chart is going to look like yeah, this he's week. keeping that hidden. And apparently apparently he's he's not going to be releasing depth charts before the, before this week's game or any game this okay. season. He's going to play it all close to the vest. So can, we can only speculate what the depth chart's going to be. Well, at least we Pretty do know. Pretty easy to speculate. Uh, yeah, I mean, Quinn Ewers, Bijan Robinson, yeah. Xavier Worthy, you know, Jordan Whittington. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know those guys are going to be starting. Kelvin Banks, tackle, you know, I mean – a lot of these, I, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that difficult. But nevertheless, yeah. I think uh, I would like to know. I think a lot of other people out there would like to know as well. But Coach Sark, I, I got to respect the fact that he's, uh, he's keeping his hand. Yeah, I don't protected. I don't, know, I don't know how much of an advantage that is because you know they're gonna the other teams are gonna scout the starters sure. from the team prior or the day that you know the week before anyway. Yeah, and Coach Sark already said that he doesn't anticipate you know. Going back and forth on with Quinn and and Hudson, you know, giving them each some equal amount of playing time to see who's who's better. You know, he's going with Quinn. That's it. Yeah. So unless something changes with that, that really and you know injuries aside, that really seems like this right here. What what SI did seems pretty on the spot. And yeah, I think so. You would too. assume every, all the other teams are going to scout for that regardless. You know, maybe it's some sort of psyop. By Coach Stark, you know, just to sort of play uh, psychological games, going, yeah, well, you know, you can scout all you want. You're not going to hear it from me until yeah. the kickoff. Yeah, seems maybe a little, yeah. seems a little petty. Could be, could <laughs> be. <laughs> I, it really doesn't seem like an advantage at all for for Texas. No, I, I don't think. What it do is, I know? But, I, I haven't played football in 15. 20 but years, I, but so. I, I respect the the the, the I, I respect it all being shrouded sure. in mystery, sure. nevertheless. Yeah. yeah, be mysterious. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, dare to be different, right? Dare, dare, to, be dare different. to be different. Dare indeed. to be different. <laughs> hey, I've got something for you, for Uh-oh. you specifically. Okay. Uh, today marks a, a, a kind of a neat anniversary in Major League Baseball. Oh. So I pulled this article from August 31st of 1990, and I okay. wanted to read it here. I was four years old. You were four years old. Now, keep in mind, this was written in 32 years ago. Okay. So, uh, signed two days ago by the Seattle Mariners after being released by the Cincinnati Reds, 40-year-old Ken Griffey Sr., about to make history tonight with his 20-year-old son. They're the first father and son tandem to play in Major League game. Early in the day, Griffey Jr. told his family and his agent, it's really going to be weird tonight playing with my dad. And later that afternoon, Griffey Sr. said the same thing. It's going to be weird tonight playing with my son. (laughs) As the Griffeys trot to their position, center fielder Jr. gives his dad and left a quick wave. Bottom of the first senior batting second singles, the 2090 first hit in his 18-year career. Junior follows with a single, both scoring the Mariners' 5-2 victory over the Royals. After the game, Junior said, I wanted to cry or something. It just seemed like a father-son game, like we were out playing catch in the backyard, but we were actually playing a real game. Yeah. The weird thing was all the guys were yelling, let's go, Ken. And I'm yelling, Which one? And I'm yelling, let's go, Dad. Nice. I just I saw that. Yeah, I, as soon as cool. I saw that was the anniversary, I was like, I there's gotta, a, I gotta pull that There's here. a lot to that. I know – I know in reading some books about the history of that of that team, Ken Griffey Jr. was severely homesick. Like him and his dad are closer than you could even possibly imagine. Yeah. And you probably saw it on the field of dreams. Oh yeah. And then yeah. he dropped the ball. So, so that was that was great. That was opening uh, catch. <laughs> Way to go. But dad. uh yeah, I Let's mean go, to, dad. to be able to do, to pull that off was huge and, oh. and I think that's what helped, you know, propel Griffey to the player he ended up being because he had the talent. But he was kind of depressed and sad because mm-hmm. he missed his family. So 
bringing it and letting it, allowing him to play with his dad. So cool. And then they went back to back home runs. Mm-hmm. My favorite story is this is a tr- apparently a true story. They both confirmed this. Uh, Ken Griffey Sr. had a uh, fly ball coming his way, and Son Jr. decides at the very last minute to step in front and catch the ball in front of his dad. And his dad, who was living with him at the time, grounded him for a week. Wow. <laughs> Literally, straight up, Ken Griffey Jr. was grounded for a week, and his dad made sure that he was severe, so was punished enough because he took the fly God. ball away from him. You may be my son, but you're not going to show me up. Pretty much, I'm pretty sure that was pretty yeah. close to the quote of what he said. Yeah, and he was not. You should, if you see that, you can look at the replay up on YouTube and see his face. He was, he was not upset. happy. Huh? He was very upset. He was peeved because, like, look, I've had someone do that to me and pull their their mid away last second, and I get clocked in the head because they're because of their stupidity. So you know, you let you let that happen to your dad on national TV. Hello, that's pretty cool. Not though. good. <laughs> I, I, I just. I, I, Baseball throughout throughout its history has been full of these neat little moments, uh, all kinds this of year, oddities. This year, the All Star Game, the Contreras brothers got to got to uh, play back to back in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. So when you see stuff like that, father son, especially considering the just the game's roots in sort mm-hmm. of the father son bonding, I've always thought that the Griffies were such a cool story. Yeah. in baseball, and especially you know? in baseball, we may never see that again. I know. We might see it in basketball if LeBron can hang on tight. But he's talking like he wants to stick around as yeah, long as he can. It's interesting. Uh, I think if anybody in the NBA could, it's yeah. that dude. Well, thank you for bringing up that story. That's Absolutely. cool. I did not know. I, it's funny. Of all of the Mariners' Twitter that I that I follow, no one has brought that up. You didn't today. see that? Yeah, not even the the Seattle Mariners. Twitter page has brought huh. that up yet. Yeah, it was just maybe a, we maybe it was just early. It was just an uh, an accidental thing as I'm sitting there scouring the web today looking for you know yeah show prep ideas. And Griffey's a, a new partial owner of the Mariners. Yeah, so, yeah. So and I, I still can't believe every time I look at Griffey help. I just I still remember him as that scrawny skinny little kid. Yeah, and he's anything but that nowadays. Look, man, he looks the, like he's been pumping iron in prison. He's that big. Well, and that's the thing: your your half your life is working out and playing baseball, and then that's over, and all that you know, adrenaline, extra adrenaline you have for working out, kind of switches to fat yeah. instead of muscle. Well, so, he didn't he didn't look super mu- fat though. No, he's a big guy. Yeah. yeah, he's he's definitely a big guy now. But I'll I'll always remember him that he's skinny a dad. kid. He's a dad. round in third base. With Dave Niehaus screaming, yep, uh, and and the, the one of the rare times there. he shows his full speed, yeah, and he admits to that. <laughs> my oh my, love it. My oh my, miss you, Dave. We got more to come here on the bullpen. Stick around. Uh, another American League slugger has taken yet another step closer to uh, setting a home run record. You could probably guess who that is. I'm sure also, you can. Cy Young race in the American League has uh, gotten a little questionable with a significant injury. Or an injury with a significant pitcher. Yes. That and more coming up. Brandon Elkins, Patrick Osborne on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to the Wednesday edition of the bullpen. I'm Patrick Osborne. He is Brandon Elkins. And uh, lots to talk about this uh, today. We got lots of baseball today. I like that. Which I don't think a guy like you or I would ever complain about that. And the best part is, I haven't heard anyone else complain about our baseball coverage. No. So I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, there are worse problems to have than listen to us rant about baseball. I know. I, know. Um, so, I like it. <laughs> listen, with a name like the Bull, like in fact, my father-in-law the other day, he's not had a chance to tune in. Yeah. 
And I just happened to run across him at the Walgreens uh, near where I live. Interesting. And I just saw him in the parking lot. And he's like, hey, I, got, I heard, heard you got a new show on, on some sports station. I'm like, yeah, you got to tune in and it's listen. some sports station, ESPN. He goes, well, I, I, heard the, I heard the promo for it, and it's called The Bullpen, so you just talk about baseball, right? Well, not quite. We try. Not qu- but we with try. a name like The Bullpen, one could conceivably argue that we, we, we should do a whole hour of baseball. One day. Maybe maybe yeah. after the football season ends. I'm not saying we're going to. I'm just saying with the name like the bullpen. I would say with a name somewhere like, Smuckers, like it's got to be good. Exactly. Like April, May, or May, June would probably be our only chances to really be able to talk about baseball because for a full hour because that's pretty much the dead zone for all football right before it starts up again. We could we could start our pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, we could. And then we'll just go from there every we day. Could. We're losing uh, listeners as we speak. I know, I know. Turning right? it off. Like, we don't want to <laughs> hear that. No, we're thank just, you. We're just kidding. But we are going to talk about baseball right now, so well, deal with it. So yesterday, you know, we were talking about Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols both just being mammoths. I mean, Pujols obviously in the twilight of his career. Judge yeah. is still right in the thick of his prime or maybe hasn't even entered it yet. He's now he, – he had his 51st dinger last night. Could you imagine if he's not in his prime and uh, he's already had two 50 home run seasons? I mean, 2017 was his rookie year. It's crazy. So, you're what, five years he's into it? I wouldn't. I'd say peak is probably seven. He's, it's coming up, but I, yeah. I think he's he could still progress and get I, better. I'm which not is, saying he's bad. Which That's is, bad. Like, oh. he's going to be in a, in, a, in the decline. I think it's bad for 31 other baseball teams. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Uh, but, Although he may leave the Yankees after the season. We don't know. One could only hope he goes to Fenway. Fenway. I don't know about that one. No, he won't. Yeah, I don't know about that one. He's going to follow the money for Some sure. Red Sox would welcome him with open arms. Anybody would welcome him with open arms. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he's now within striking distance of the American League single-season home run record. And he did so in their 7-4 victory over the Angels last night, playing against a team who's got arguably the other best player right. in baseball right now, Shohei Otani. Right. 51st home run of the season off of Mike Myers in the fourth. Uh, he leads the majors in homers and RBIs now, 113 ribbies. I mean, he just, he just it's not even, stop. It's, it's, it's not even September yet. I know. I, we still have a full month and a half I, yeah. for him to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, or I guess a full month now. But. So he's, he's on pace to top Roger Maris and his home run record there at 61, which is the most ever hit oh, by a man. Yankee. Yep. Right? Said in the summer of 61, narrowly edging out the Mick yep. for the mark. Yep. Uh, Mickey Mantle, certainly no slouch. Well, he bowed out pretty early, or I, I guess towards the end. Early towards the end. Does that make sense? Mickey? Yeah. Yeah. Because he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we've we been treated to to a lot of big home run years. Uh, luckily, we you know we got to see McGuire yeah, and Sosa. Yeah, we grew up in that age. And, and Bonds, if, if you know, buy into that one. <laughs> I do. I do. I really do. I really do. I mean, he may never make it into the Hall of Fame, but look, for – as what whatever he was using or not using to you know help himself out a little bit, he still has to do, put in the effort. He still has to put in I'll the work. Give him that. He's still the one swinging the bat. He's still the one that has to make contact. Exactly. Round and ball, round bat. He has yeah. to get around the intentional walks, and so you know he only gets one or two good pitches every at bat before he finally retired. So you have to give him some of that. Oh, I do. It I do. sucks that yeah, I, I, he admitted it, right? Did he admit? It? Has he admitted he cheated? He's, Absolutely he, not. Okay, he's never admitted it. No. So, regardless of whether he did it or not, I'm sure he did. Whatever. I still have to give him 
for his work work ethic. Yeah. He's, uh, he still had to work out. He still had to make those swings and hit the ball out. I'll give him so. that much. I mean, I, I will. I, I think, though. Maybe the logic only makes sense in my head, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm not explaining it well. But Well, I remember when I was a kid and Barry Bonds, he was he, he was played with Bobby Bonilla yeah. with the Pirates, right? He was a twig, man. Yeah, he was. And and back then, they Barry Bonds was. I remember being a kid thinking he was one of the one of the best hitters I'd I'd ever seen. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I was a little boy. Uh, I'm a grown man now, and I still could say, arguably one of the best, if not the best, contact hitter I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to look at the fact that his head size grew. 13 sizes <laughs> and and say all right well that's not natural yeah but nevertheless and he's also one of the few guys i've ever seen get walked with the bases loaded mm-hmm. intentionally yep. walked with the bases yeah. loaded. and look it was smart mm-hmm. it, at the time it was a smart play you I gotta was, do what you gotta do yeah i i think it was uh i think it was tony it was either mike Sosha or tony larusa who who did it who's uh who's who's or coaching dusty, for the mets it, i think it was who's coaching dusty. for the mets right now um I was gonna say Mickey, what's his name? Oh man, or Callaway, but that's no. he's not there anymore. He, I don't think he's around anymore, is he? No. Okay, we'll uh, figure it out anyway. Uh, so Aaron Judge, nine home runs in the month of August, two ninety six with a one point one zero four OPS and twenty two ribbies. Not a bad line for the month of August. For any other year, that's an MVP season locked in, hands down, no problem. A guy like him, it's a it's a subpar season. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. He's still got a whole month <laughs> no. to go. No, I, I mean to himself. Sure, he would sure, look at that. Sure. Now the the race for Cy Young over in the American League, I think up until just recently, everybody looked at pretty much a lock for Jason, Justin Verlander out of Houston, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But he's now on the IL, the fifteen day IL, because okay. he got pulled after three innings the other day with with a calf problem. Yeah. And so you know, lots of questions. How long is he going to be sidelined? How significant is the injury? What does his absence mean for a juggernaut team like the Astros? Uh, well, according to the club, an MRI show on his leg shows he's got facial disruption but no muscle fiber disruption. Uh, and the team says that's a key distinction as damage to the fibers in his calf uh, would have required even more recovery time. Those are words. He's 39 years old, though. Yeah. Right? So injuries – I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he's 39. At 37, he had Tommy John surgery, right? So he's kind of falling apart. And you got to wonder – well, at least he didn't hurt his arm again. At least no. it's something completely different. No, but you got to look at that and go, I mean, it, what if he's on this IL for longer than 15 days? What does that mean for the Cy Young race? Honestly, he already has a full season of numbers that that would win the Cy Young anytime, no matter what. The dude's an absolute aberration. I have a feeling, and I think that it would be smart for the Astros to, I mean, they have him on the 15-day IL. He probably will probably get maybe one or two more starts before the season ends. Yeah, because you want to save him for the postseason. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know about I don't know if he has this mindset, but awards aside, Cy Young he already has one at least, so he wants another World Series, and he wants to be able to participate. Don't force it. You know, he's already. I feel like he's already won the Cy Young. Honestly, I mean, certainly if he's if he's back, he's off, got a one eight four ERA yeah. throughout an entire season. It's pretty disgusting. That is disgusting, it? dude. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about the other two that you know are on, uh, you know, right behind him. But I really think that it's it's regardless of the injury, he's probably going to win it. You're talking about Shane McClanahan and Dylan Cease. And Dylan Cease, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're nipping at his heels, certainly. But if, I mean, you look if, at it; they only have a two twenty and a two twenty seven ERA. 
they can't get down to his level which uh, before the season ends but if you know if, if even if they shut out right. each team that they played you're right they probably still wouldn't hit that mark and think about that because if you got a 220 ERA to finish off a season you've had a, a phenomenal season Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's unbelievable. Those, those are great numbers. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so the fact that like they're still that's get, not good enough to a guy like Verlander, it's that's pretty impressive. They still at 39 make it, years yeah, old, and they still make it three or four more starts at, before the season's end. Yeah. The season ends. So and Dylan Cease isn't going anywhere. The White Sox are just completely blew up. I don't know what the hell happened to them. Yeah. Um. But you know, McClanahan's gonna make the postseason. So. I. I. I, I just I can't see uh, any other scenario where Justin Verlander doesn't win the Cy Young this week this year. Thirty nine years right. old and a sub two ERA. Shut him down for the rest of the season. I'd still give it to him. I think you're right, but I, I, it makes me nervous as a fan. It makes me nervous. But the fact that it was only the 15 day IL yeah. means that they anticipate him coming back before the season ends. You would hope, and they're just giving him time to rest it because they don't need him anymore. They're mm-hmm. the they got the what the best record in the AL right now. They're mm-hmm. gonna have the bye. They're gonna be fine. You know, it's like when teams sit their starters in NFL in the last game before the postseason, right? Or if they've already clinched. That they, makes sense. Yeah, you know, you kind of give your guys some rest. I feel like this is the exact same scenario. Yeah, that makes sense. It just so happened he kind of tweaked something, so put him on the IL so he can't force his way back. He has to sit. Yeah. Rest him up for the postseason. Bring it on. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Yeah. That's what I think, at least. Also, uh, out, of, out of Astros land, uh, Space City, uh, last night, Framer uh, Valdez actually set a major league record for a southpaw throwing his 22nd consecutive start. All right. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's cool. For him. And then uh, I was looking at this thing you, get, you pulled out here, uh, the biggest winners and losers of August. Yeah. And I do see Alex Bregman's name on here. Yeah. Uh, so he's uh, and they he's had he's had a, a tough report. Okay, so they're saying he's uh, Alex Bregman is among the winners of of August. Yeah, I mean he had a he had a rough few months uh, to start the season. So nice to see him on the you know showing up right when it counts. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, another one like you mentioned with Verlander, uh, another one who's I think certainly got an eye more on on October yeah. than you know uh, not just October but the ring not to say so he phoned else. it in the first you know few months of the season not saying that at all injuries were a big part of that I'm I'm pretty sure yeah but it's it, you know it it bodes well that Alex Bregman is is starting to turn into Alex Bregman in August and then yeah. September rolls around well so yeah I mean and then October they lost uh, obviously lost Carlos Correa mm-hmm. uh and then you've got Jordan Alvarez his hands are hurt Verlander's calf is hurt so you're going to need a guy like Bregman to step Look, up. Look, give them the month off. They're going to be fine. They still have a significant lead over my Mariners in the AL West. We don't care about winning the division. We're just trying to keep our wild card hopes alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I personally am pulling for you, man. Thank you. I'm a big I, fan I appreciate of uh, that. big fan of the Mariners. I, th- well, I, I think I, I fan, really I've never not liked I really the think they're going to do it because their starters are crushing it. Let's hope so. Yeah, they are killing Let's it. Let's hope they they contain they, and we they have a very easy consistency schedule. is what you guys need. Well, we got Detroit and then A's and then Detroit again and then the Guardians who we just took 3 out of 4 from. So yeah, that, that, that's a doable schedule. Our last series against our last series of the year is against Detroit. In Detroit? At home. Oh, you're at home. No, no. It, yeah, at home, yeah, cuz okay. they're in Detroit today. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, 
That team Not that though. anyone cares. That poor but team re- having to fly all over Look, the United States to play. Twenty. <laughs> I know, right? That corner. Long, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up in Egypt land. Yeah. Look, 21 years, all right? You may hear me talk about this more because it's been 21, 21 years since they last made the postseason. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah, 21 and years, We've man. sniffed and it. And that was an unfortunate end, uh, a, a quick end, unfortunately, to that postseason birth. I'm not trying to I judge mean, up bad memory. They made it to the championship round. They just... Had to keep running against the Yankees. Yeah, but I was, it was one of the Indians it, at the it time. It was it was quick, and that that was the year it should have ended with a ring for the Mariners. Yeah, it should have, but also, I I I can't argue with the fact that you know 2001 in New York, they were going to make the World Series no matter what. Then no one was going to get in their way. Yeah, because of what happened. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Over the NFL news, sad news out of the NFL today. Did you hear this? Uh, former defensive end Steve White has died. I don't know. At the age of 48. Oh, man. Uh, he was uh, diagnosed with chronic lymphocytic leukemia eight years ago and announced back in April he needed a bone marrow transplant. Oh, God. Uh, the Eagles made him the sixth-round selection out of the University of Tennessee back in 96. He played seven seasons, the final one with the Jets in uh, 2002. Uh, but he never played it down for the Eagles. Mm. Uh, Bucks signed him to their practice squad. He was uh, 235 pounds and wasn't activated for the 53-man roster. He rated uh, he played at 271 pounds. So, oh wow, he lost a lot of weight. Yeah. 94 games, 15 starts, 119 tackles, 11 and a half sacks. Okay, that's a good. But he was only 48 nice years career. old. He was only 48 years old. That's, uh, that's yeah. I mean, that's, that's not much older than I am right now. Don't think about it. So just don't think about it. Our best to his family and all of his friends. And we've got more news out of the NFL coming up. Got to take a quick break. Cowboys news. Also uh, figured out today who's got the oldest 53-man roster. We'll probably take a guess just by yeah. who's who start, one of the oldest yeah, dudes the out start, there right Oldest now. starting quarterback but, out there right now. But uh, that, that more coming up here on the Bullpen. He's Brandon Elkins. I'm Patrick Osborne. This is the Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to this final segment of this Wednesday edition of the Bullpen. And uh, We're that closer to Friday now. We are that much closer we to are. Friday. Yes, sir. That indeed we are. Uh, we're talking a little NFL before we went to the break. And uh, news out of Cowboys land, uh, Michael Gallup, wide receiver. He suffered, suffered that torn ACL in his left knee back in yeah. January. Got some encouraging news this week. Uh, passed his uh, physical, uh, removed from the, phys- the pup list, the physically unable to perform list. Uh, that's according to Mike Fisher of Cowboys Country. That's huge. So, yeah, so if he'd uh, opened up the regular season on the pup list, probably wouldn't be eligible to play. Uh, Six weeks. before, Yeah, so mm-hmm. before week five. Uh, but he is now eligible to play in the season opener. Whether or not we'll actually see him yeah. there. Uh, he may still get a game or two off. He may be in, uh, inactive. Right. He may see some inactive, but yeah. and Jerry Jones, that's okay. That's Jer- still encouraging. Yeah, Jer- uh, Jerry Jones was on uh, 105 through the fan up there in Dallas yesterday and said uh, if it was the Super Bowl, he'd be lining up and playing. I'd probably, if the stakes were higher, sure, he'd need him out there on the field. My guess is they're probably going to have him. You know, that makes me think of uh, Terrell Owens in the Super Bowl playing on a broken leg with the Eagles. I forgot about that. Was, that. that was impressive. For as, as much... As people don't like, can't stand that guy. That guy could play football. I always respected him. Yeah, he yeah. was just a little he abrasive, was a little obnoxious. But I mean, yeah, I I go down when I stub my toe. 
Hey. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Hey, I'm with you. I, I, I gotta respect you. that. We're falling apart as well, but for different reasons because we're just old. Now the Cowboys also uh, they're thinking Tyron Smith is going to be able to return from a fracture in his knee later this season, but they're going to need somebody to fill that spot at left tackle in the interim. And it looks like Tyler Smith is probably going to be that guy. He's the obvious choice. You know, played the position in college. Uh, and uh, Jerry Jones says he it's quote safe to say. That uh, Tyler Smith is the option. Uh, All right. That uh, or the option that the team's pretty confident in using. Game on. Yeah. <laughs> Game yeah. on, rookie. Yeah. So uh, good for the uh, good for the Cowboys. Looks like things are coming together there. You know, they've thinned the wide receiver group. Out injuries have up there in Dallas, uh, but they've stuck with their in-house replacements at that position. And sure. and the Gallup news is definitely encouraging. Yeah. Everybody's going to get a chance to see how their approach plays out when they host the Bucks Sunday night. First game of the regular season. Man, they got to play the Bucks again. Yeah. First game, I know, and they beat them sucks. last time. I know. They, they, I, but I wouldn't want to open the season against Tom Brady. It's just yeah, the way twice. It is. Well, you know, he hasn't played much. He hasn't practiced much. We don't know where he was. He's Tom Brady, dude. I, you know, eventually that's not gonna. That's that saying is not gonna work. He's, he's getting that meditation going with Giselle Bunchen. Mm, I don't know. I thought he ran away. That's why he was coming back this season. Oh. I guess no. I guess we know why because of the whole Miami thing. He yeah. had to retire from the Bucks to be able to sign with them. Man, that's a sleazy thing to do. Tom Brady's going to be okay. I know. Tom will be just fine. You know, Tom I know, will be better than again, you and I in a thousand he's lifetimes. He's in his 40s. We just talked about a 39-year-old pitcher, oh my gosh, getting hurt, you know, stubbing his calf muscle, all right? And we're talking about a 43-year-old in NFL. It does, And he's been hurt before. You, you, just, you just never know. You know, it's funny you mentioned his age because he is the oldest player, mm-hmm. and that's helped him push – the Buccaneers 53-man roster up to the oldest ever 53-man roster like that in segue? NFL history. You like that segue? Well done, man. I got you. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. The NFL's never seen a roster uh, on the cut-down day since the 2018 uh, Raiders with, with something like this, but no team's had an average age as old as the Bucs, 27.1 years. And they're still probably going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Average age of fifty three or twenty seven point one. You know what? I was wrong. It wasn't actually the oldest age ever. I think it was just in the last few years. But nevertheless, one of the oldest fifty three man rosters. Definitely. Ever. Now, even it says even if you took him Brady out, number would drop. Obviously, he's going to skew that average a bit because he's geriatric like me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but they, they'd still be among the oldest teams even if, even if they took him off of it. But uh, the youngest roster. Cleveland Browns, 25. do A flat 25. Good for them. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> Throw that away. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, Houston Texans surprised some people around the NFL when they cut veteran running back Marlon Mack. Yeah. They they stayed in contact, though. And Adam Schefter, ESPN, he says the Texans are expected to sign Mack to their practice squad. So they cut him, only to bring him back. What I say yesterday? Yeah. This is just a totally normal thing. Just, yeah, there are unexpected players, but there are plans in place already. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I not- get we have to talk about it because, yeah, it was kind of a crazy, crazy thing seeing him released, even seeing him on the practice squad. But I have a feeling that he probably won't stay on there very long. Well, I mean, they don't really need him. No, they don't. They really don't. I but mean, you never know. If if they want to bring him back on the practice squad, a guy of his caliber, you got to think there's might be a reason for that. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not on the main roster, but could, could play a role at, at some point. Later this fall. Probably sooner than he realizes. But, I mean, they got Damian Pierce, Rex Burkhead, Royce Freeman, guys like that. They're all. I'm sorry. Are we really going to rely on Rex Burkhead and Royce Freeman? I mean, no offense because Royce Freeman is a duck, but (laughs) he had his time in college. Haven't seen much of him, you know, in the NFL. I feel like 
Marlon Mack has all of the chances in the world to come back by week one. Yeah, You think, huh? Maybe. Pretty optimistic for that. You never know. We'll we'll see. We will see. Uh, Chucky Gruden. Open it up about uh, emails were shameful. Says the email, you know, you remember this controversy? I do. Uh, they, they contained uh, racist and anti-gay slurs. Came yeah. to light in the Wall Street Journal back in October. Uh, he says he's addressing them publicly for the first time uh, since that controversy cost him his job. Yeah. He filed a lawsuit in the, in the NFL last year. He alleges that, you know, he was singled out by the league. Um, but... Uh, says that he wanted to be honest here. He says, I'm ashamed about what's come out in these emails. I'll make no excuses for it. It's shameful. He says, but I'm a good person. I believe that. I go to church. I've been married 31 years. i got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes. I don't think anybody in here hasn't. I just ask for forgiveness. So that's Look, he, I, I love that. I love that. I love that people are so easy to tell them, say they're a good person after saying something so horrific like that. Give me a break. I don't buy that for a second. No forgiveness deserved for this man ever in his life? He wrote it down, looked at it, could have probably stared at it for a bit. Everything that he said, it was easily deletable one way or the other. Sure. But he let it go. He let it go off into the world. That was all his choices. What if this was the shock to the system that he needed to realize that, oh, my God, this isn't really. Then admit it. Then admit it. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But I'm saying he know don't don't say you're a good person when you know you're not a good person when you say stuff like this. Uh, that's absolutely fair. I enough. I don't I don't have any sympathy for people who are who who are you know have these bigoted you know remarks and then immediately once they get finally get called you know he could have said something before he got caught. Yeah, yeah. He could have been like I have the, I have said some things in my past that are not good and I'm sorry for them. Yeah. But he had to wait till he got caught. To tell people, admit that he said it, and that oh, wait, but I'm still a good person because even though you caught me saying this, I I'm still okay. I'm you, trust me, I'm still a good guy. And you know what? Maybe uh, he probably is a good guy, but you shouldn't put those two together when you're talking about stuff, something like this. Well, I, I listen. I don't disagree with you whatsoever. His lawsuit claims it's just so easy to say that now. Well, listen. Uh, I mean, a person's entire life can be upended by a, a, a misconstrued joke nowadays. So everybody, yes. and I'm not saying that's what he's, but I mean just even the most lighthearted of comment can cost a man or woman th- their entire livelihood. True. So everybody is so on edge and and, and afraid and walking on it. So I, 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 think it's only, I think it's only natural. That reaction, this reaction right here from, from John Gruden, I but think about why they have to feel like they have to walk on eggshells. Sure, no, why? I, I, I it's understand it's very completely. easily understand. it's very easy not to be a racist bigot, or or just sure. say something. Yeah, it may you know yeah, to that extent. But there are times, sure, you get upset. Maybe you're by yourself. You scream. You scream some things that you don't like. Well, there is a difference it, between there is a difference between the two. Yeah, and and what he did, you're absolutely right. I mean, he he certainly if that's how he was feeling in the moment. He could have written it down and then gotten rid of it uh, I just, without I, doing any of that, sending it off. Yeah. I just don't buy or have any sympathy for someone who admits it, finally admits it, and then tries to spin it when they're finally like caught. They, yeah, like, 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 they des- like they're in need of like, deserving I can't believe I said that. Yeah. I can't believe I did that. Please forgive me. I'm a good person. But you only know this because I got caught. And that I, I, I do not disagree with you there at all. But he does. He claims in that lawsuit uh, tortious interference. He says that uh, Roger Goodell selectively leaked the emails to force his removal. See, again, he says you know there were six hundred and fifty thousand emails collected in the investigation. 
And uh, he says Gruden's were the only one, you know, made or his were the only one made made public. There are so many words I wish I could say right now. Yeah, that I cannot because of because the FCC getting in trouble in the FCC. The, the FCC yeah. frowns upon them. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Again, boohoo because I got caught. Yeah. Well, that's uh. You made not- the choice. You could have apologized immediately after saying those things to the person who you said them to, being like, "Ooh, I probably shouldn't have said that. That wasn't very good." Yeah. But no, you wait till you get caught. And then you have to cry for sympathy and beg for forgiveness. Give me a break. So uh, wrapping up the show here, I wanted to mention uh, some local guys. Austin FC is going to host the Portland Timbers, Mm -hmm. and this is a possible playoff clinching match here at Q2 Stadium. Uh, It would be the the Audi MLS Cup playoffs berth, uh, the first one in the club's very short history, and that could come tonight there at at, uh, Q2 Stadium. Uh, coming off that emphatic four win over their uh, league leaders, uh, Los Angeles FC, on Friday night at home. That that was a statement game, my yeah, friend. That yeah. was. Yeah, so uh, lots to uh, lots on the line tonight uh, in a possible play. And I have no doubt that Austin FC going to. can get this these done. Scenari- scenario, these scenarios aside, they're, they're going to be fine. I would say from what I know about Portland and their fans, I would say if they were playing in Portland – I wouldn't say it's as big of a. I wouldn't be as confident about them clinching. Yeah, but it's tough. The important. fact that they're here and not up there in that hostile territory of where the Portland, where the the Timber play. Yep, stumbling over my words. Uh, I, yeah, I like their chances a lot. Here, I do so. too. So, I mean, regardless, get ready, Austin FC fans. You're going to the playoffs. Yeah, so absolutely. Enjoy and, it's, it. and it's happening tonight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for us. The Wednesday edition of the bullpen here. Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Thank you. We'll uh, see you tomorrow. See ya.